tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the geek's watch. For the geeks and all the geeks to come. Yep, another week of the Geeks Watch. We are here to protect you from all this news that is not geek worthy. John, I hope you've been having a good week. Uh, so far, so good. So far, so good. It's I mean that's the best we can ask sometimes. Uh, you know what? So we're gonna be talking about uh the new TV show Westworld on HBO. Uh, we just got done watching the movie last week, and this week we watched the the, the first episode of the of the series. And I am super excited about talking about it. How about you? How about you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, a much-needed dessert after a very hearty but displeasurable meal. <laughs> I like the sound of that. All right. Uh, but first, we do some geek news. And, uh, you know, there's there's uh, some news I, I wouldn't mind getting out there for this week. Uh, Black Mirror Season 3. They released a trailer. Uh, I don't know if you're watching that. You you watched the first two seasons on Netflix or not, John? Not yet, but it's on my to-do list. All right. I, mean, it's, I think it's like seven episodes total because you have the three episodes per season plus the Christmas special, which the Christmas special is amazing. So, yeah, you should get on that. Will do. And some other uh, great news out of Black Mirror is that Robert Downey Jr., um, he had optioned or – yeah, he'd optioned one of the episodes called The Entire History of You, which is, I believe, in the second season. And uh, he plans on making it into a entire feature-length movie, which would be really cool. So when you watch that episode, think of that as a Robert Downey Jr. movie, okay? Oh, well, awesome. Uh, Wonder Woman news. Chris Pine has come out to debunk the rumors that have been flying around since production started on wonder woman that's that he will be playing multiple roles in the wonder woman movie he says that he's only playing steve trevor and uh you know what whatever that means i think a lot of people thought that he was going to be playing steve trevor and steve trevor's grandfather or great-grandfather since he's supposed to be in both modern times and world war one but you know all maybe that's all just rumor so uh we'll have to see if that what actually happens in that movie yeah, waiting to see how that plays out. Uh, Blade Runner uh, 2 has officially released its title uh, for the sequel, which is going to be Blade Runner 2049. Um, it's got it's going to be starring Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford is going to be uh, reprising his role as Deckard. Do you think that means that, you know, the big... Uh, the big controversy with the first one is that Decker is a is a is a replicant. What do you think of the, what do you think of that that for him being in the second movie, the sequel? Well, I have some objections to them even making the sequel to Blade Runner to begin with. Okay. It's just one of those perfect movies that I feel like there's no way a sequel would ever you know live up to the hype. Uh, that being said, uh, I think that is Deckard a replicant is just one of those great nerd conversations you can have where there's supporting evidence for both sides of it. Yeah. And I don't know, having a definitive answer kind of kills it a little bit. You know, I always <laughs> liked how, you know, even the people who made the movie disagree with each other, right, about what the correct answer is, and that's just. I think that's perfect. So I don't know. I, I don't think I would like for, you know, to have confirmation one way or the other. It's one of those where the ambiguity adds to the mystique of the, the whole story. 
I, I, I have to agree. So uh, the director of it is going to be is Dennis Villanueva, uh, also directed Enemy and Sicario. And I guess he got to talk to the original screenwriter, Hampton Francher, and he was told... Uh, he he told or this is his quote. He told me that Blade Runner was a dream. He was he just uh, we just have to dream again and not worry too much about logic. That removed so much pressure and gave me the key to move forward. What do you think about all that? Wow. <laughs> um, and I was like, hey, don't worry about it. It's just a movie. Who cares? <laughs> Uh, I mean that does kind of sound a little a little scary for people for those who uh, really did love the original movie. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Like throwing away logic and continuity out the window can work for some things, like say Mad Max. You know, that's a place where you already have the established precedent where they're linked, but they're not necessarily direct continuations of the same story right just like Blade uh, Runner just 2. like cloverfield also cloverfield and yeah Lane. yeah yeah like that there's like a very loose tenuous collection or connection there um i don't know i mean I, it sounds to me like at this point they're just capitalizing like they have been doing for you know over a decade now on past franchises you know, revitalizing old movies with sequels twenty years too late. Looking at you, Jurassic World and Independence Day, <laughs> and Wall Street. <laughs> oh, and Wall Street, and uh, Basic Instinct. <laughs> I don't think anybody actually wanted sequels to Wall Street and Basic Instinct, though. Like, I could see people oh. wanting the the sequel to Blade Runner, but I mean, come on, Basic Instinct. Yeah, we got it though, including a fifty-something Sharon Stone. <laughs> uh, this is true. I think we should do the little leg cross in this new movie. You can hear creaking. <laughs> Ouch! With the insult from left field. That's right, Sharon Stone. Tweet at me. <laughs> you know, she was this close to to just being a subscriber to our podcast. Way to go, John. We just lost that demographic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How are we doing in the cougar uh, demographic? You know, surprisingly well. <laughs> oh, all right. Go uh, us. <laughs> go us. All right, yeah. You know, uh, I know a lot of uh, geeks are out there anticipating the, the sequel or not anticipating it more than anything else for Blade Runner, but we'll have to see what it what it's like when it comes out. Maybe we'll have to rewatch, you know, the original and do a podcast on that. Yeah, sure. Uh, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'll talk about Blade Runner till uh, I go horse. So I'm <laughs> down for that. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to bring up is that uh, Hugh Jackman himself, the Wolverine that we've known for the last 17 years, tweeted out a picture of the poster for the third Wolverine movie, which is now called Logan. And... Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, this is, puts more credence into the idea that it's going to be an old man Logan story. Uh, it has a picture of a child's hand inside Wolverine's hand. And, well, you know, Ryan Reynolds jumped right on top of that and said that th that was Deadpool's hand because it got, you know, how it got chopped off and it was small again. But if you take into account that it's supposed to be a child's hand, which I don't think that has really anything to do with uh, old man Logan, but... Other than the fact that you know he had kids in the book, what do you take off of that poster? Uh, two things. The first, the line between Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool seems to be blurring a little bit. <laughs> I think that that line got blurred a long time ago, <laughs> and I'm happy yeah, for at it. Some point. Yeah, at some point he's just gonna be Deadpool, no matter what. I can't wait till um, the Canadian, uh, you know, government like just says, "Okay, let's try this experiment on Ryan, Renner, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds and see if he actually comes out, you know, with Deadpool powers." 
That would be awesome. I <laughs> I think we should put a vote on that. Everybody volunteers Ryan Reynolds to go through Weapon X. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe we start up an Indiegogo fund and, you know, see if we can get some money for it. And I think he'd do it. Excellent. I'm down for that. Uh, number two. Yeah, like you were saying, um, Old Man Logan has a kid, at least. Um not necessarily as young as you can see in the that picture from the looks of it. So, uh, much like the recent uh, the Flash TV show version of Flashpoint. Eek, don't even talk to me about that. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't wait to hear that episode of Televised Heroics. Um, There's gonna be a lot yeah, of cursing. So, so basically, uh, yeah, it looks like they're taking the main idea. And then just kind of putting a really watered down twist to it, to where they're just capitalizing on the name of it. Yeah, I mean, to me, that seems like what's going to be happening too, because um, you have it's it's. I mean, you can't really have a lot of what happens in Old Man Logan because a lot of the properties are owned by Marvel instead of Fox, and if you just put in a bunch of X Men characters, it's going to be a lot different. I think that the small hand means that they've they're really going to go with an X twenty three character, so that's a little girl's hand, and we, we've yet to find out who's going to be playing X twenty three. Which, if it's a little girl's hand, makes me happy because all the casting rooms I heard they were casting like mid to late twenty year olds to play X twenty three, and I'm like, no, she's supposed to be thirteen, thirteen like thirteen to fifteen. So I don't, I'm glad that it's a, a small hand. <laughs> Such a weird phrase. A small hand. Um, I'm glad it's a small oh. hand. Okay. It's like okay, well, well that's uh, that's the Ryan Reynolds rubbing off on me. Oh, that was a bad phrase as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move on. All right, moving on. Uh, that's all I have for geek news. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, I'm actually pretty news out this week, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately. Cause, uh, yeah, there's yeah. not a whole lot to cover right at this time. Well, I think but, that is uh, fortunate because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about with uh, this first episode of Westworld. And, you know, let's go ahead and get right into it. I was grabbed, and or at least put on the edge of my seat, just at the, <laughs> at the beginning with the, with the, like, the, the, opening credit not the opening credits but the the credit sequence i guess you know where they're showing like all the uh robotics being put together with the the that white muscly fiber parts or whatever i was like this looks awesome (laughs) yeah that was very striking opening credits i have to say too it reminded me a lot of a music video from bjork okay uh, where it's kind of similar where you see robots being put together they don't have that fleshy component, but there's still a lot of that white liquid, and um, it's just bizarre, you know, like how York can be. So, uh, but I saw a lot of that on there, and I really liked it too. Yeah, it was very striking. Uh, the juxtaposition, uh, one of my favorite words, <laughs> of uh, seeing like a robotic skeletal hand playing the piano, and uh, the horse running, and all the other stuff was just really cool looking. Just some really cool visuals there. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Uh, and, and, and that's what I was talking about. Like they just totally, I don't know, like the way that they, they, the animation makes it all move and stuff. is just like incredible. So I was already gripped, I guess is a good way of putting it. Uh, another thing about the show I thought was it very, uh, Interesting, and and the thing is that I really don't care for music in my movies and TV. Like, I don't, like, if I notice it, I'm usually pretty upset because I think that uh, it's too prominent. I don't want that to be what what distracts me from what I'm actually watching. However, whenever the player or piano is playing, it's playing, like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say modern pop songs, because they're all, or, or modern popular songs, but they are from this you know era as opposed to uh the 1850s when west was the west uh but you had like black hole sun from soundgarden paint it black from the rolling stones and ain't no grave from johnny cash 
And I just thought that was incredible. I, actually, it took me until I, until they started playing Black Hole Sun for me to realize what was going on. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was painted black. I'm like, wait, I know this song. <laughs> uh yeah that was the, the the when that one started playing too i was just like yeah i know that that little part in the background there and it, you know without the lyrics it's and it's in and both songs are kind of played a little slower and obviously on the piano it was just uh you know creepy i guess i don't know it was just awesome awesome to hear well it was definitely creepy because for some reason i associate that song now with uh that kevin bacon movie stir of echoes Oh, you know, so <laughs> he likes to do that because I remember when he had that show on Fox called uh, "The Following." They they took another like modern song and they kind of slowed it down and made it creepy. And I was just like, Jesus, this is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny what you can do in music, <laughs> manipulate emotions and scenes like that. Um, no, yeah, it was really awesome. I liked the. Uh, the uh, well, I, I guess we'll, as we start diving into the story, we'll talk about it more. But having seen the movie uh, a week or so ago, the the emphasis was entirely on the human characters, two of them in particular. And I found it kind of strange that you know from the start it looks like we're focusing on the uh, on the machines or the the hosts as they call them in this in this show. And it's almost entirely through their point of view. Like the the actual humans are more like, um, like background characters instead. Right. You know, and that's and the biggest evidence of that is that you, if you had if you'd watched the the original movie like we had, and you get that you get the idea that you're following around the the newcomers or the people that are paying for the vacation, um, you think that. Uh, James Marsden's character is a, is a newcomer, a human, and we come to find out pretty quickly that he's not, that he's actually a host, and that was, I don't know, a really big reveal, a big twist, I thought, for them to put in the first episode. Yeah, especially when um, the girl, Dolores, mm-hmm. like the love interest, I guess, that he has... <laughs> It's so like it's so interesting the way that, that this is written because they are scripted. They're basically following a pattern, and uh, I guess the way that the machines are are programmed, they can deviate from it because you see two nearly identical versions of the same day play out, right? Um, because they reset like every day, I suppose. So like the first day, James Marsden, he's on the train, he gets off, he goes to the bar, the hooker hits on him. And he does his own little thing about how, like, oh, I don't pay for that or whatever. And one of the hookers says, well, you all pay for it one way or another. Our prices are on the door, though. And, uh, and then, like, the, the, the very same thing happens almost the next day, except because one of the hookers is engaged in conversation with some of the newcomers. She doesn't say her part of it. Right. But you get the feeling like, oh, well, that was supposed to happen, but something else took her attention. And, yeah, like, he has a similar conversation with Dolores, except I think the second day she gets distracted by someone else. Well, he gets So they distracted. don't quite meet each other. He gets, oh, he gets distracted. Yeah, because right. the the new set of newcomers come over and like, oh, this is Teddy. I, I hung out with him last time I was here, and he's gonna sh- he should show us around because he's pretty cool. So instead of going over to pick up the, the can that she drops, he gets pulled away to be a guide for this other group of humans. And and I love that. I think that's that's very like. At first, I was like, "Oh, well, that's gonna be, if you're there for multiple weeks or like multiple days, it's gonna be uninteresting to see these robots have the same conversation over and over." But then you get to see the fact that as soon as something deviates, they go along with that, and they have a whole new set of script that they're supposed to play out if if said situation happens. And I was like, "Oh, well, that's pretty cool." Yeah, it was really neat um, how it's basically like the next evolution of, like, let's say, playing a, a role-playing game, and all of the NPCs are just really well-written. <laughs> that was uh, funny that you should put it well-written, because that was uh, one of my... I, one of the characters I really enjoyed, or I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching more, is the 
I guess, the head writer for Westworld because uh, he's constantly trying to uh, go to bat for his story that he's written and the characters that he's come up with and how they're all supposed to play out the story. But then he's, but then like, like at the very end, I, mean, I know we're skipping around, but at the very end when his uh, ma- main villain played by um, uh, uh, Rodrigo, Cerci. Sant- yeah, Cersei, uh, <laughs> or, yeah, Cersei's, uh, but yeah, R- Rodrigo Santora, uh, what's his character's name? And it's like Escobar or something like that. Uh, it's like Hector Escobar or something like that. Yeah, he he's like I have this great speech written for him after he robs the saloon, and then he robs the saloon. He comes out and he's about to tell the whole townspeople that he need that they need to fear him. And all and one of the newcomers, one of the humans, just comes over and blows his head off before he gets any of it out. And she's just like the other lady that's like I guess the head of security. I don't quite understand what her job is. It's just like oh yeah, I hope someday you'll get to hear that speech. Yeah, the look on the guy's face was pretty priceless. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he's supposed to represent uh, a particular type of, uh, I don't know if he would say, uh, like, insider in the industry, because there's definitely some allusions to uh, other lines of work here, like Hollywood and and whatnot. Like, it, it, <laughs> it's so awesome that it's like a, like an amusement park with uh, just some really high, uh, I want to say stakes, but um, I guess realism factor. The fact that uh, one of the guys on the train at the very beginning, like you're overhearing the conversation. And if you don't know anything about Westworld, so you don't really know what's going on. And in a weird way, I kind of wish I'd gone into this not knowing uh, or not having seen the previous movie. Okay. Because uh, when you hear two guys talking on the train at the very beginning, one of them is saying how, um, oh, like, I was here with my family one time, and we were exploring, and, you know, we went to, like, a cave, and we did the gold uh, mining, whatever. And then uh, the second time I came, uh, I went straight evil. (laughs) And uh, that reminded me so much of, like, playing Knights of the Old Republic for some reason. Oh, where you can Where, like, choose which which direction you want to go. Yeah, like every decision you make is either light side or dark side. So you can, you know, the more evil decisions you make, you become more of an evil Jedi, uh, like Sith character. Or, you know, you can just choose all the good decisions. and uh, Or, or like, uh, let's say Bioshock, too. You know, you can choose to not kill all the little girls and... Yeah, you know, it's harder, but you get the better ending. Or you could just say, nope, I'm going to kill these girls, take their power, and just, you know, be corrupt. So it definitely reminded me of, like, the next level of video games that we'll have someday, like, past virtual reality. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely something that, um, you know, will eventually happen. And it happens more and more in video games, I think, too, which is just better because... You get to have more of a say in the story. Um, I also like. I mean, I guess talking about it like that, I I was very, I don't know, perplexed by Ed Ed Harris's character because, I mean, I can understand the guy on the train saying, "Look, last time I was here, I got to be the evil guy for a week," but Ed Harris seems like he's been here many times and he constantly is the evil guy. And it's just like. What how do, what does that say about you? I mean, I guess it's good that you're doing it to these robots and not doing it to people out in the real world. And you're not killing them and raping them every night just to fulfill a fantasy. But, like, this is your fantasy. is pretty dark. Yeah, that was actually my next thing I was going to go to is that um, Ed Harris's character makes it sound like he's been, the, he's been going to Westworld for, like, 30 years now. Yeah. <laughs> So, A, he must be really rich because it's not cheap and they've established that. Right. Um, and B, it sounds like maybe he's – I think his character arc is that he's uh, overly obsessed with Westworld uh, because he definitely – I mean, he's the one newcomer that we focus on the most besides the goofy dude that um, that kind of looks Escobar. like – Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. He kept reminding me of um of uh who's the guy that played the governor in Walking Dead? Oh, um Yeah, Morrissey. Or Yes. Well not the singer Morrissey, but right, yeah, but that guy. David Morrissey. Yeah, there you go. David <laughs> Morrissey. He reminded me of David Morrissey uh, when he was in Doctor Who. <laughs> when he played the next Doctor. <laughs> yes, or he thought he was. Right. Yeah, like that. That was almost the exact same clothing he's wearing, kind of. It is. I actually thought about that a lot too when watching it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh yeah, that was the only other human we really kind of pay any attention to, and I think it was for that reveal of him being kind of the dorky guy with the wife that was just kind of uninterested and oh he's the one that saves the day oh you know whatever um but yeah so ed harris being the other character we or the other human character we focus on uh you know he straight up kills teddy you know for no for no real reason Mm -hmm. and you know he's talking to dolores and just keeps bringing up stuff from the past like oh in 30 years you know they they've given you some new uh some new dialogue or new emotion finally and goes and rapes her. Yeah. I mean, you don't see it, but that's very clear that that's what's going to happen. Right. And I think his character arc is that he's so obsessed with Westworld that either he's become that character now, you know, like this is who he really is. And he now pretends to be a a normal person in the real world, uh, which is going to be kind of cool, you know, really cool idea or concept. Um, or he's just gone crazy and he's obsessed with Westworld and wants to go into, like, he was mentioning something towards the end about how there's a deeper level to the game and he wants to get in in on it. Yeah. That's what, I mean, I really want to talk about that. I, he, he sits there and he tortures one of the, one of the robots who, uh, if you watched all the way to the end of the credits, it said, you know, uh, uh we will remember you cause that actor died last year. Uh, I guess after filming this role, but um, he bleeds him. Like he says, he left like three liters of blood inside of his body or something like that. And then he scalps him and underneath the scalp is, it looks like maybe it's a logo or some kind of map or something like that. But it, 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 you got to wonder what it is that he's talking about. What's this deeper thing that, that he's going to be looking for. I mean, this is an amusement park. What, what more could there be? It's an amusement park where you can rape the characters. That's so weird. <laughs> like that's allowed. <laughs> yes, that is allowed. It's it's anything you want to do and anything goes. So uh, that is kind of creepy. Yeah, I'm not gonna go to uh, Disneyland anytime soon because I think I'll be looking at those princesses a little weird. <laughs> or you know, watch looking going into the the Hall of Presidents and kind of being. Oh wait, is that just me? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I talked about it last week. I got this fear of the whole animatronics. <laughs> they, they freak me out, and Westworld would freak me out even more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to make you a Halloween playlist <laughs> just to get you really freaked out. <laughs> I don't know if I, I like this idea. <laughs> <laughs> Face your fears. No, oh, all right, fair enough. Um, but I actually thir- the whole thirty years thing. Uh, I thought was an interesting thing that they said when you're looking at the behind the scenes of Westworld with your the, the scientist and all the the corporate people. But they uh, at one point I think it's Jeffrey Wright's character that says we haven't had a critical failure in over thirty plus years. Now, Westworld the movie came out in seventy five. Is that what we said? I think it was 73 or 4 we oh, concluded. Se- okay, 73. Uh, but, I mean, obviously that's 40 plus years. Yeah. Uh, so, but I was wondering, is this supposed to be a continuation from then? Like, did they, is it kind of like how Jurassic World is to Jurassic Park? You know, this is them rebuilding and, and now it's been better and it's been great for a very long time and people come back and have a good time here. Uh, and and they 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 can they they know about what happened at Westworld or whatever happens in Future World because we haven't watched that but we do know it exists. Uh, but they they've since worked out the kinks. Do you think that's that's something that could be? 
I was actually looking out for clues about that um, to see if there was any connection to the previous Westworld. Now, so far, it seems like 100% it's just Westworld, whereas in the movie there was two other theme, uh, theme lands as well. Right. Um, it looks like this is entirely just a Western area-looking thing. Um, I kind of like how they have that set up in their headquarters where it's like a big round table and you can kind of zoom in on any particular part of Westworld to keep an eye on things. And um, when it's just like normal, it's still like a miniature version, like a map, I guess, of, of that area, but in real time in 3D. So it's kind of cool. Uh, but no, I, I couldn't. Yeah, I was trying to see if they were going to say, well, you know, a long time ago, you know, we had some problems with these things, and we had to, you know, start from scratch or something. Or, well, I mean, they kind of they kind of say, you know, well, they, when they're talking about the older models, they're saying how you know there were there were imperfections, and which I would assume is alluding to the whole fact that hands didn't look right. You know how they talked about in the first movie and then in the movie, but now everything looks perfect. Now they're even working on updates that give them human. Uh, in 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 what well, I can't say the word right now, but uh, you know things like where the hooker is touching her lips because she's remembering a kiss and stuff like that. It's little things like that that that, that, that they're now onto instead of just uh, you know having to perfect hands. Yeah, they're the the programming that they've given them from what the way they describe it is that uh, because they. They're not supposed to remember, and it's an interesting thing too uh, that I, I thought they implemented is that they rotate the characters around, or the the the, the robots, I guess. Right, because we saw the bartender at the end of the show or the episode becomes the new um, father to Dolores. Right, and um, yeah, we haven't even really scratched the, uh, the 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 main thing that happens there, but. The robot st- uh, that plays the father starts having an existential crisis. <laughs> I gotta say, if anything about the show freaked me out a little bit, was that because that was a little too real for me? Yeah, the part when he's sitting there talking to uh, Anthony Hopkins' character. Uh, yeah, even before that, when he's uh, when you realize that he spent all night outdoors, like he went off script because of the one thing he found, which was a picture. That some some newcomer obviously left behind. You know, it was a picture of a woman that looks like she might be in New York or something. Yeah, or so just yeah. some city. Some city with you know, a lot of it, lights and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It just blows the guys the the robot's mind so much that it triggers something. You know, like <laughs> it starts to bring back old memories, which is not something that's supposed to happen. Um, just the the idiosyncrasies, like you were saying, but not full on remembering past script and other roles that he's had. And he says, uh, I asked a question I wasn't supposed to. And yeah, that was just genuinely kind of disturbing to me. If, uh, have you ever read the comic book, um, the runaways? It's, uh, with it's Marvel characters the... and their, their kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I know of it. I have not read it. So in that, in that book, <laughs> There's one character that they eventually introduced called Victor La Mancha, and he's an android, but he didn't know he was an android. He was created by Ultron to grow up from being a baby to an adult, and uh, you know wants to is supposed to want to be a superhero. And eventually, when he becomes a superhero, he's supposed to uh, defeat all the Avengers and and give the world over to Ultron. That's the original plan. Anyways, uh, when they find out that he's a robot, they also find out that there are three key phrases that they can say to shut him down and it's usually phrases that will uh have him uh, have him cause him to have an existential uh conundrum inside of his head so like one the first phrase that they give and it's the only phrase that i know they've given uh in in the comic book uh so far is could god create a burrito so hot that even it burned his mouth so (laughs) so when that happens the conundrum goes off in his brain and and or in his computer brain and then he shuts down and that's a lot of what i thought when i saw this part when the guy's just sitting there like looking at the picture and he just starts freaking out and, and twitching and stuff this is like oh he hit, he hit the phrase and then he even says <laughs> i asked the question i wasn't supposed to ask so a little bit of uh comic book uh 
connection there if you want <laughs> no yeah that, that that's really interesting that was one of my favorite parts and the whole show was good in general just from this first episode um, but that was just kind of neat how they explore that existential crisis he he goes through um there was a another part to go along with that what was that uh well i thought it was interesting that when he is sitting there talking to anthony hopkins and he because of this and and that's what they want you to kind of believe they want you to think at least at this point is that this newest update is what is really screwing up a lot of the 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 hosts uh, because it is incorporating their their memories from past lives, and it he he starts to spout off uh, stuff from Shakespeare, and to us it's it's new. We don't we don't understand it, and it sounds very ominous and it's very crazy like. But then Anthony Hopkins says, "Oh no, he used to be a guy that was part of a party that ends up cannibalizing themselves, and you know he was the leader, and this is why he's saying this stuff because Shakespeare was a big part of his script." And it's and he's literally blowing it off as it's not important. He's just bringing up old scripts, but you know, as 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 us as the viewers, we're like, oh no, it's obviously bad. It this is very bad. Yeah, I was getting a very strong John Hammond vibe from Anthony Hopkins in this one. <laughs> where he's so in love with his creations, and he has—I mean, he definitely has a god complex. When he's going on about how like evolution, like at, at this point in humanity's history, it looks like they've eradicated most diseases, and uh, he's saying that um, in in short time they might even uh, have like a way to resurrect the dead, and at that point you've you've peaked as humanity basically, <laughs> which is an interesting concept. Like once you've conquered death, where else do you go from there? I guess that's true, and. Um, so yeah, like, and, and he says, uh, and, and then he kind of just blows off that whole like super heavy concept, and saying like, ah, but you know we're still human, so you know you can forgive a mistake or two now and then, right? <laughs> to like his lead programmer, I guess. Right. And um, yeah, that was kind of interesting. How oh, I know what I was going to mention too is uh, there's a there's a theme throughout the show from the very beginning, where the characters don't react to insects like flies. Right. You'll see a fly kind of crawling across the eyes of the characters, um, like right from the very first scene. I know there's a when they're interviewing Dolores the first time, uh, there's like a fly walking across her face and her eye, and she doesn't react to it. James Marsden at one point, um, when he's acting as the guide the second time around to those other people, they... Uh, they're joking about how, like, oh, yeah, if, if we get bored of this uh, story that we're on, we could just use him for target practice out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And James Martin is listening to this, but he's kind of, like, in a resting mode where he's not reacting to anything. And there's a fly crawling across his face as well and, you know, nothing. And uh, that happens a couple more times. And you notice at the very end, after uh, the father has his little freak out and they, they examine him and then they interview her to find out what she remembers or what's going on in her brain. And she was like, uh, I don't know. He told me something, but I don't understand it, whatever. Um, yeah, she the kept very saying, less... when she kept talking about when he asked, and the funny thing is that, that, that security guy, guy, I don't know if you know this, but the, he's the third Hemsworth brother. That's Luke Hemsworth, uh, Chris and, uh, Liam's older brother. There's a third? Yeah, and he obviously doesn't look anything like them. <laughs> I was like, you know, I saw that name in the credits, and I was like, huh, I wonder if he's related. And I was like, nah, that be a pop, you know. <laughs> but, and then I saw him, and I was like, hey, wait, is that one of the Hemsworths? <laughs> no, uh, but but the, the funny thing, I think, is, is that um, or she, he obviously, and they make it a big point, when they when he says this line is that uh would you ever hurt another living thing and she says no and then obviously when we get to the end of the episode when the fly is crawling around in her, on her neck uh being a pest she slaps it yeah so that's like a two for one right there um <laughs> like call back to the the fly thing across the robot's faces and she hurt a living thing so um 
Yeah, it's Which, interesting. I also well, I also found that interesting is that the fly itself is living as opposed to uh, being a robot. Like in in the original movie, we when when, when they talk about like the snake the that gets shot or that that bites one of the newcomers it they're like well it's animatronic it shouldn't kill any or it shouldn't hurt him at all but i guess this environment isn't as uh as sterile i guess as as you would be led to believe that actual flies could exist there yeah that um i mean it, it given the their level of robotics you would think robotic flies are not a problem right but uh yeah you can definitely tell there's one other scene where fly where a fly is kind of featured and that's when uh, that david morrissey looking guy and his stuffy wife are um chasing the 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 killer the, the killer of yeah, the wanted man which by the way i loved rodrigo santoro's outfit in this right. i thought he looked really badass as the uh the 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 Robert, whatever so, the. Do you think that was supposed to be a callback to uh, Yul Brenner's gunslinger outfit from the first from the movie? I don't think so because it was all black and leathery, whereas Yul Brenner was more like kind of denim looking. Okay. Um, but uh, I mean, I definitely think that's the role he's supposed to play. Is like he's he's the gunslinger sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, of this of this world, but uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to make robotic flies, but I think that's just to show that, no, this isn't a 100% sterile world. I think there's still a, a, a certain level of, uh, like, the real world is still present, I guess. Right. Way to say it. I guess, you know, that was another thing I wanted to bring up with, in comparison between the show and the and the um in the movie, in the movie when we watched it, it seemed more like people were coming to this Westworld theme park so that they can reenact things that they saw in Western movies, whereas this is more like they're reenacting what really happened in in the old West. Basically, yeah, because uh, you know, like they were saying earlier, is like, oh, you know, we can go and and. Um, pan for gold or go on a hiking trail or something or you know go after this uh desperado or just live in the town like it's the west and you know you can go get drunk at the saloon and bang a hooker which also brings up like the um that family that 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 comes across dolores while she's painting in the and near the river like obviously the, that family of three the 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 husband the wife and the child are are supposed to be or supposed to be newcomers they're they're here on vacation so i mean what exactly is their vacation supposed to be are they are they out just traveling the west or you know panning for gold or whatnot but it I, to me it seemed very interesting as a as as what what it was they're supposed to do because when they reveal that the little kid is a person because he he talks to Dolores and goes, you're one of them, aren't you? You're a robot, you know? And she kind of doesn't understand what the hell, what he's saying, or at least she plays it off as she doesn't understand what she, what he's saying. It, it's, uh, it made me think about what, what it is that they're doing there. So as in what their fantasy or their vacation was supposed to be. Now, maybe this is just the awful person inside of me thinking this, but I'm like, (laughs) I was thinking, if this is really accurate to the Old West, shouldn't the, most of these people react negatively towards the uh, African-American family? <laughs> you know, uh, I would say that you're you're probably right, obviously. And we don't see too many, uh, you know, Asian communities in the in the movie or the show, which which would happen in what happened in the Old West. You know, them coming over to build the rain, railroads and stuff and being shunned, but. I think that I don't know. I would think that since they're creating this in a world where disease and death is almost non-existent, you know, maybe the racism is also gone. Maybe it's like a Star Trek future, you know, where races of the world they're getting together and there's no disease. But uh, who knows? Maybe the and, and if that's true, maybe they got rid of that aspect of the of the story. Yeah, I'm waiting to see if something like that pans out later. And um, 
they have like a, a realism mode that gets cranked up to 11 and things just go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously I think that's what's supposed to start eventually happening with uh with the characters that have there are the the hosts that are already starting to go crazy at like um I don't know if they actually gave him a name, but the character that drinks all that milk and you know, he's just killing other hosts like willy-nilly and 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 spilling milk on him. I don't understand what the whole thing about milk was in the episode, but uh, you know maybe that's just over my head. Uh, but they have to eventually shut him down and shut you know shut the whole thing down. They even talk about how they speed up the story because Rodrigo Santora's character wasn't supposed to show up for another week or so or another two weeks to to rob the town, but they they sped it up so that they can take the what was it 10% of the hosts that were updated with the new update out yeah which i think came out to like 200 approximately robots i think is what they said yeah so the, yeah i like how they said that all the stories are intertwined so taking out one robot nothing happens everything adapts but taking out 200 and you have serious problems with the story cuz um you know, and like you were saying earlier, the the guy that was the head writer for the the storylines was like super pissed about that. Yeah, that was that was one of one of probably one of my favorite parts, and want to see how that plays out. But um, yeah, so so far, great first episode. It introduces a lot of really awesome concepts, and there's still a lot of things that they show that I'm sure are going to play bigger parts. Like what exactly is the warehouse where they have all the naked robots just kind of hanging out there? <laughs> well, it yeah. seems like that's where they sent them to be decommissioned. Yeah. Cause they even call it cold storage. And when they show up there in the very beginning, you know, all the water comes splashing into the elevator because, uh, you know, basically cause Anthony Hopkins decided he wanted to go in there and hang out with some of these old, older robots. So he had to turn the heat back up or, uh, make it so it's not so cold in there, so that he could talk to Wild or to Old Bill, which was an interesting conversation or at least interesting scene. I mean, to just sit there and pull a, a robot out of storage just so that he could have a drink with him. Yeah, that was pretty neat, pretty funny, and you also have to wonder if Anthony Hopkins's character is kind of getting lost in his own world or his own creation. I think more than likely you'll find out that he that's the whole reason why he created you know this whole world just so that he could get lost in it. Probably yeah. Maybe he's uh looking for the secret to immortality by transplanting his mind into a a robot. <laughs> and could you imagine if we uh, if they if we find out by the end of this that that's what he has already done and that's what we're talking to as a robot? That's crazy. <laughs> I also think that at some point, you're going to find out that Ed Harris's character, though he keeps doing evil things, that he's going to end up becoming like this robot messiah kind of thing. Like he wants to free them from their shackles or whatever, like, you know, kind of I am or I robot style and be like, uh, you know, you guys can start thinking for yourselves, even though he likes to terrorize them. Yeah, I think, uh, there's definitely a darkness to his character, and I'm kind of curious if uh, if he's going to be a, a, a help to the robots or a nuisance to the humans. I'm I'm kind of wondering if he wants to find like the uh, the control center. And oh, I didn't think about do that. Something there. Why? Why would you? Do you have any speculation why you think he'd want to find the control center? Like, what, do you think maybe he has? agenda against anthony hopkins himself not against him directly i think he's just gone crazy and he's so obsessed he just wants to get in on this in this world like he just wants to be uh, go as deep as he can be as 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 uh as uh, I, I have a feeling he's going to end up in that room with all the bodies for some reason i'm just not really sure what his agenda is yet and you know what I thought was another interesting thing was when they when uh at the end of the episode when they are right after they have the the interrogation with Dolores uh the Luke Hemsworth says uh don't don't you feel sorry for her she may look young but she's actually the oldest uh working host here or something like that and I was like Kind of leads me to believe that she's going to be the one that's, I, I, for lack of a better word, the most awake of the host. 
Yeah, that's definitely the first thing I thought. I was like, well, if she's been here the longest, so she's had the most storyline, the most updates, um, she should have been the one that, you know, got the existential crisis, but maybe she just hasn't had the the uh, the revelation yet that's going to do it because, I mean, definitely there's been a few instances. She saw the photograph as well, and she's had a couple of characters refer to her like, you know – Telling her like, oh, you know, you're you're a machine, aren't you? Or Ed Harris was also saying stuff to her that you know, to a normal person would have been super cryptic. Like, <laughs> you know, in all these years, you always react the same. But I'm glad they're giving you some new things to say now. And, and you know, like a normal person would just be like, what? Why are you saying that? You know. <laughs> so if either she's really good at hiding it, and I think that's the one it is. I think it's that yeah. she 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 did have her existential awakening. A while back, but she's known to play it off because otherwise they'll decommission her like they did her father. That would be really cool. Yeah, I'm down for that theory. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what you always have to worry about in these movies or TV shows where uh, you know you're giving a little bit more and more intelligence to the the robots or the artificial life, and then eventually they'll start messing with their own programming and whether or not she's going around messing with other robots' programming uh, is remained to be seen, but I mean, we'll have to see what the end game would be. And, uh, you know, what I also thought was interesting was that when you first see Ed Harris's character um, is when we first see that Dolores's family gets murdered and she gets raped. Her mother is already dead when the scene starts so you don't see that actress. And then later on when she's screaming for her mother because her dad's having the existential crisis where he's kind of flipping out, she's screaming for mom, but mom never shows up. Do you think they just – you think that scene, those scenes are – that that actress is just cut out of the scenes or do you think that she uh, – like they don't have an actual actress there playing that role? Yeah, they probably don't have an actress there in the role yet. Okay, whenever they do something like that, they're, they're saving the actress for something special later on, right? Like, or uh, it's just something that's not integral to the plot. It's just something that is more of a background, and therefore you don't really need to pay attention to her. Uh, that's one of those things that hopefully we'll find out if it plays out later on, because that's a good question. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was very interesting that they didn't show her so many times so that um yeah i think later on when they do show her it's going to be in it's going to be something interesting which also made me think that one of the things that like when, as we were talking about it right now uh if ed harris wants to get to that cold storage and he has been going to westworld for a very long time maybe he's looking for a particular robot one that got decommissioned because maybe he fell in love with that robot maybe yeah, I mean, like, there's so many possibilities now that I'm, I'm genuinely excited about it. At least, more so than the sequel to Blade Runner. <laughs> I mean, I guess I didn't ask you that at the beginning. Did you enjoy the first episode? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I thought it was great. I, like you said, I was hooked from the intro, and every new thing that came up, um, I was like, oh, that's a neat idea. Oh, that's a cool character. Oh, where are they going to go with this? You know, this is just the first of uh, what I'm assuming is a ten episode season. Yes, I think so. Uh, which yeah. would make sense since 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 it's HBO. Yeah. So, I mean, assuming they have a fixed amount of seasons planned out, like usually it's five or six uh, for HBO shows. Mm-hmm. You know, we have quite a bit to go and. Uh, who knows where it's going to end up. I mean, I'm I'm hoping the whole part goes crazy by the end of the season and some of the replicant or not replicant, but, uh, <laughs> you know, some of the robots leave, um, you know, the Westworld and try to go to the real world and see what happens there. I doubt that's going to happen, to be honest. I'm pretty sure it's going to stay self-contained within the, the theme park. But... Uh, I think it would be too soon if they did it by the end of this season that that they go crazy. I think that by the end of the season, the programmers or whoever will think that they have it under control. 
Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a, at least what I know for certain has to happen is by the end of the season, a newcomer has to be killed and they have to, they're probably going to have to try to cover it up. That'll probably be like the big thing. But uh, I'm sure that in the, in, at the same time, we'll be seeing more and more of the robots becoming self-aware for sure. That's going to have to happen. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought that was one, one thing that we got to see in this uh, uh, in, in this episode with the with the with the what has to be said about the newcomers and how they're protected, they apparently seem to have some type of force field around them that keeps them from being shot. This time, because uh, James Marsden's character Teddy shoots Ed Harris's character many times, but none of them seem to penetrate. Like you hear something hit, but it doesn't. It's not actually hitting him. So, I would assume that's some type of force field so that they can't be stabbed by knives either. I think it's um, yeah. I was thinking about that too because I was like, he's shooting right at him, but we know that the gun works because he killed the other guys. So in this particular case, I don't think it's like um, in the movie where it's like, oh, you know, because you have a certain body heat signature, the gun won't work. It deactivates when you point it at at something living. Um, I think in this case, what it looked like to me, it wasn't really explained, but maybe we'll get clarification is um you know the programming will prevent you from getting an exact aim on a living person so he's still able to point the gun at him and shoot but it's programmed in such a way that he won't hit him like not kind of like a force field but not a physical force field more like just like a programming one oh which also takes into account like what happens when because Ed Harris puts uh, his gun straight up to his forehead, and he doesn't um, pull the trigger. He can't. Right. Yeah. Like, he's only allowed to shoot if he knows with 100% certainty that it's not going to hit him. And if there's no other, you know, way to shoot, then he just won't shoot. Yeah. Because even he was kind of shocked of, like, why can't I fire right now? Right. So yeah, that's uh, that. I, I like the your theory there, which then would also make it so that the programming would, when it when it malfunctions, he will be able to, to shoot him or shoot a newcomer. Right, because then he'll he'll just be able to like twitch and you know fire and ignore the programming. Which uh, also brings me up to the thing is that this kind of lends its, itself to. Uh, Maybe stunt casting, but more of uh, uh, just minor cameos from other th- other people. But like every week, we'll probably see different newcomers, just because it's going to be uh, you know we follow the story of the robots as as opposed to a newcomer. And like this week, when we we saw new Ed Harris, and then we also see that um, the one guy that pulls Teddy away to be to make Teddy his guide. Like, I've seen him on other sitcoms. He was on uh, She's Out of My League, the movie. But um, I don't I don't expect him to be in next week's episode. So I think that, that would be an interesting aspect to play with, too. Yeah, I thought, I thought the same thing, actually. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had, like, guest stars that are newcomers? And, you know, you only see them maybe for a couple of scenes or maybe just one episode. And, and that's that, you know, kind of like Ian McShane was in Game of Thrones you know, some of those. Um, right. Like I would love for Ian McShane to, to do a stunt casting in this show so that he come back and kind of reprise his role from Deadwood. I don't know if you watch that show, but that was a, a great Western, too. That one's also on my list. And no, I have not, but I've heard great things about it. Although it'd be funny if he comes back. To, to do the Western thing, but does like a character that's 180 from his other character. <laughs> that would be awesome too. <laughs> yeah, they could play around with that trope. Um, yeah, but overall I would give the show a 9 out of 10. Oh, me uh, too. Just from the first episode. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. I'm, I'm super psyched for the rest <laughs> of uh, how this... Cool. All right, John. Well, that was an hour. Is there anything uh, else you wanted particularly wanted to say about this episode? No, that's pretty much it. Just uh, I know that the second episode is available already, so I'm probably going to go watch that now rather than wait uh, another week. 
True. I, yeah, I did see that it's now available on uh, HBO Go and HBO Now. Well, w- while we're recording this, because it will play the di- when we put this out, it will already be on HBO. <laughs> but uh, as we're recording this on Friday, it just got released on HBO Go and HBO Now. Yeah, so I'm excited to go and start watching more. That's a good sign of a series, right? Like, do you want to consume it as soon as possible? Yes, I, I believe so. At least that's how I see yeah. it. Uh, you know, so uh, great. Um, anybody else have any theories as they're listening to us talk about it? Any things that you wanted to talk about? Anything you saw in this first episode that was super interesting to you? Contact us. I'm on Twitter at agent underscore of the underscore bat. John is also on Twitter as... I am at Magic Bollocks. And Geek Elite Radio is on Twitter as at Geek Elite Radio. And you can also come talk to us over on Facebook at on Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. And then check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Uh, but until next time, John, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.